Welcome to For Rent, conversations to better the rental industry. I'm your host, Mackenzie Wilson. Whether you're a first-time homeowner, an accidental landlord, a seasoned investor, or perhaps just a curious tenant, this is the podcast for you. Join the conversations we cover best practices, industry news, and one-on-ones with thought leaders in the rental industry. We'll go deeper to cover the lessons learned and get to the root cause of challenges facing the rental industry today. We'll empower you with the information you need to be a better landlord or a more informed tenant. Let's get to it. In this podcast episode of For Rent, we've got an awesome guest, a good friend of mine and landlord, Christine Rupska. She is a powerhouse as she gets into the nitty gritty of processes that she uses to rent her properties or manage them from afar. She even gets into the story of how a contractor secretly moved into her Leftbridge property when she's back home living in beautiful British Columbia and how she dealt with it. You're going to take some notes, get a pen and paper, or listen to it a couple of times as you have some great takeaways to improve your rental business. Let's get to it. Not only are you always remotely from your properties, but in fact, you're in another country today. You're down in Washington. Your home is in near Langley, BC, and all your properties are down in, in Leftbridge, Alberta. So three different places. And um, I guess my first question is, is why did you choose to do remote property management? Hi, Mac. Thanks for having me. It was by circumstance. I have no choice. Where I am in Langley, the median price of a three-bedroom house now is $1.5 million. And with that, we don't have rents that that can cover it. And with uh, landlording being a business, we need 25% down. So I had no choice. I had to move out of my area. Now I could go into the interior. I could go into other places in BC. I looked. I almost bought a place actually in Detroit. Oh, wow. Um, because I had taken a program on how to learn how to do it, to buy a place sight unseen, which is the biggest thing because you can't always be where you are. Um, my niece happens to be in Lethbridge, who I'm very close to. And my first one was getting her a house that she could rent. And uh, in doing that, I noticed that the Lethbridge market was just perfect for me. I can get into houses between $200,000 and $300,000 and be positive cash flow right away. My biggest problem is coming up with the down payment. So. Well, and that's a, whole, that's a whole other game, raising the money. Okay. So so just by circumstance, of course, the uh, like you said, that your environment is too expensive for the numbers that make sense. So you had to go elsewhere. To me, I know when I got into investing in, in the real estate, I stayed away from adding that another layer uh, of difficulty with the remote property management because you have to have systems around there to to reduce that risk. So, how did you how did you go about doing that? So, I guess in your case, you mentioned you had a family member local already, and you set some systems up with with her to to help you out with some of like the daily tasks of what what does she do for you? How, how did you kind of break down the systems in place? Because she's not familiar with it, and she is a mother of six children, she doesn't have a lot of time. So what I have her do is I do my viewings, my move in and my move out, and that's it. The rest of it can be done with the computer. I've been a landlord since 1988 in D.C., so I learned a little bit about tenant screening. I've learned more from you since I've been part of the, part of your group. But um, everything that you can do there, you can do away except for the actual move in, move out, and having someone uh, show the place. It's not that difficult to find somebody. If you have a good realtor, you can always pay them a little bit extra until they, they might have a family 
friend or a high school student. It doesn't take a lot, anyone of any qualification to do that little bit for you because they're not legally responsible. They're not talking money. All they're doing is having the keys to the place to show someone the unit and then in and out taking the photographs and filling out the forms. So it's, it's a minimum hour job. So, so step one was you had to find someone you trusted on the ground locally. You know, in, in your case, you're fortunate enough that you had family in the area uh, that you chose to invest in. So if people didn't have that, how would you go about finding or building that relationship? I know you kind of went and did that with your, your tradesperson. How do you establish this? I mean, I guess kind of like I'm trying to systemize if I'm going to go into a new area. It starts with your realtor. You need to interview a few realtors, find a realtor that, that, that you have relationship with. And don't be sh- once you have a realtor, don't be shopping them. Because this whole thing is relationship. It's not just relationship with your tenant. It's relationship with everybody leading up to it. So your first point of contact is your realtor. And if you're banking locally, someone at the bank. And we're talking the backdoor people. Because your realtor and your your banker are going to know that first step person for you. They're going to have a friend. They'll have a, a daughter. They'll have a son. And that relationship will develop just for the viewings. From there to get the tradesperson, once you've got those people in place and you're talking to your realtor, you're talking to your banker, you're ta- depending on where your lawyer is, I happen to have a lawyer in Lathbridge as well. It's a matter of developing relationships with every point of contact. Okay. Who do they use? I went through a couple of contractors before I found one that I was good with. With this remote property management, and you mentioned, I mean, again, your your niece had had no systems in place. You you brought the systems to her, which is something that it sounds like you preferred doing that as opposed to someone that had was established with experience. Um, why is that? Well, I have my well, yeah, I have my own systems, but what I was giving her was really simple. That it was not a system; it was just the move in, move out, and walk the people through the suite. Just telling her which photographs I need, how to hold the camera. The advantage to having someone like her is you don't need to find a right property manager. You're not paying the ten percent. Mm-hmm. You have total control of the information you're getting. Yeah, and you just walked her through. So you said you explained how to take a good picture. So the actual insp- the documentation for the inspections are, are done to a way that that meet your standard that are good. So so you're you're well well protected that way. Okay, that's awesome. I provide the the paperwork for the move in and move out. So they're not developing that. It's just the same stuff with the computer. I can just email it to them with, with the tenant's name and all the address and everything on it. So they literally just have to fill out the form. Oh, that's good. If I was to imagine to take this step, I think I would do like a test inspection with them at, let's say if they had a place they could go do it at, or yeah, I, I don't know how you could find some sort of a, a trial and error case. So like you kind of have a bit of a, a feel how to work with the person before you do your first run in front of a, an actual tenant, right? Uh, to kind of make it easier. It's simple. You have the paperwork with them, you do FaceTime and you have them do an inspection on the place they're living at at the moment. Okay, perfect. Then you take time with your video call and you can say, well, look at the toilet here, look at it underneath the tank, look at here, look behind the door, move the furniture in their own space. They're familiar with their own space. They're going to know any kind of problems with it. 
And with a video call, you can walk them through it really simply. Perfect. Yeah. And I know one thing too, I mean, just what we're talking about doing these inspections is that ability to capture the size, the context of, of the damage. If you're taking pictures of damages, for example, how do I know if that scratch on the wall is only a couple inches or if it's a couple feet? So, you know, putting something in the picture too for perspective there as well, right? How, how did you manage that part? First of all, you want to picture back in the room so you can identify which room it's at. Then you want to go a little bit more close up so you can see the damage. And yeah, a ruler, a cell phone, anything that'll show the size on it makes a difference. Big Q, always put your phone landscape for your photos because when you upload, you don't want the photos going that way and you can get a better clear view, especially when you're expanding into them. Lots of pictures. You want your person to take pictures of everything. You can do up a list of the pictures that you need done for advertising and to, to make sure that you've got it understood with them what what you want them to look at. So uh, what I'm hearing is you, you got to be pretty clear in your documentation, having like a, a almost like a step-by-step Word document or something saying, here's how you take the picture of the room. Uh, you know, first picture is a wide one of the whole room taken landscape mode. Then you zoom in, and then if there's damage, you put something within the picture to give uh, an idea of what that size is, and you move on. So um, it's it sounds really silly, and it sounds super simple, but having super granular steps, or like you said, if you did a first kind of practice trial with with uh, the move and move out inspection, helps kind of get that feeling of how to work together. Okay, cool. What about some of the repairs and stuff like that? So you said you had some contractors um, that weren't so good, and now the one you have is is really good. How did you go about that process of of hiring someone? When you when did you make the decision not to work with them anymore? Just I guess lessons learned, or, or kind of walk me through how you went through that process. Hey there, sorry for the quick interruption. This podcast is all based on the collective wisdom of everyone. It's interactive. We absolutely need your input and feedback. So if there's a comment, a question, a best practice that you've learned that relates to an episode or just something that's come across your mind you think would be great for the show, we are all about taking this collective wisdom to better the rental industry. Please, please share with us, good or bad, we'll take it all. I've got tough skin. Um, you can send your questions and concerns and feedback all to forrent at singlekey.com. Okay, let's get you right back in that episode. Thank you so much. The first contractor I was using, I had a major renovation to do on a house I had just purchased. It needed ceilings downstairs, brand new kitchen, like take the kitchen down to the frame and some work in the bathroom and flooring. I had used the realtor's contractor, the, the listing agent, not, my, not the buyer agent, but the listing agent had a contractor that had done some work in the house before and said, use them. I did an interview. I saw the type of work he was doing at one of his projects. And he didn't follow through. The agreement was he was supposed to give me pictures every day of what was going on at the house so I can keep track. And that way I can see open walls that later on, if I had a water problem or something, I had that documented not to necessarily follow up on his work, but to follow up if I had an insurance claim or anything else, I wanted daily photographs. And he said he would, and then he didn't. And then he ended up moving into my house. Oh, okay. He had a problem with his wife and he literally moved in. So I uh, had to fly into town and fire him. In the meantime, uh, a friend 
in town, I had joined a, a Facebook group of that area. And I said, who would you guys hire? And uh, this one particular name came up a dozen times. Okay. Okay. Let's take a step back here. You just laid out a bunch of really good information. I want to unpack and highlight some things there, like some great pro tips. So your process included daily photos of, of the of the work being done. And I could see if I was a on the contract inside, like, oh man, you're like kind of micromanaging me. And maybe it feels like they might take it that way. But you also said a really good way to position it was it's not just to, I mean, obviously it does help staying on track of the work and progress and ensuring things are being done so you can hit deadlines. But also for your own documentation for insurance claims or for if there's damages or, or whatever, something happens at the property, you know the construction and what the property looks like. So you can provide that information to whoever it might be. Or if it's an insurance claim, you can prove that you had this quality of build with materials in the wall and, and all that good stuff. So simple process. That's, that's great. There's another point to that because of the contractor that I have now, I've had him for a couple of years and he comes back and is working on some of the same places. And now he knows, he goes, well, what happened? What was the wiring like that there? What, what was that? And all the photos are on Google. So he can go back and look at the photos for his future jobs going back, working on my same properties. And that saved time and money. Oh, very cool. So, so, so basically, yeah, yeah, it's like a digital paper trail of the construction, which is great for insurance claims. It's great that jog memory is not just for yourself, but for your contractors as well. If you've had them for long enough, he can go back or she can go back and check um, whatever might be of relevance to save time if they're doing a new renovation or if he's to buy material or if he's searching for a pipe or a cable in the wall. Or if you've got a new contractor in, you've had the one contractor do it and they move out, you know, something happens, you can't get the same contractor in, but you have to open that wall again for a new contractor. You can go back and provide what's behind there. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. That's super cool. And and another thought too, as I'm kind of thinking through this with you, Christine, is you've got all this documentation. Should you, whenever you choose to do your exit and sell the property, you've got great documentation to go along with the property to say, hey, you know what, the construction, it's been built this way. Here's the material used. Again, you can prove, you know, instead of just uh, talking the talk, you can really walk the walk to prove the value of the property that it's been built and which way and standard, which is pretty critical these days with the home inspections and all that. I can provide them with all the photographs going through so they have it for their own files. That, that, that's easy enough to do. And I know when I, one house that I bought, they had drywalled in the fireplace downstairs because when they had done a sewer repair, they had damaged the front of the fireplace. So they just drywalled it in. I was able to locate a picture of the damage done to the fireplace before it was drywalled in. So I can check to make sure that the structural integrity on the fireplace was still intact because there was another brick fireplace on top of that. And I didn't want to have to have that fall down. So because of the history of the pictures that I received, I was able to confirm that the fireplace, though the face of it was a mess, that the, it was still structurally sound. So it was going to cause damage. And I just left it drywalled over. And so when you're working with your 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 go-to trade person, and again, your niece or whoever you would use for like, say that the hands and feet in the ground for the small, simple tasks, as you said, so maybe a quarterly inspection or whatever it might be, you probably just have like a shared Google drive that they can upload information for you. Is that kind of how you do it? Yes. And I use my contractor for those inspections. 
Now, I've used this one fellow for two and a half years. We've done three major uh, renovations, and he likes working with me because I've also worked in the trade. So as of January 1st of 2022, he went on T4 Income for me. Wow. Very cool. Very, very cool. You've mentioned that you've worked closely, and I think this ties around to really good communication to tell him, hey, this is what I need to know or see when you're doing your inspections. Take the pictures. He's like the second set of eyes for you to make sure everything's going on and it's going well. And of course, I think it's really cool that you've got layered in someone with great with construction experience. So they also know what to look for. If there's water damages, things like that, they have a more of an expert eye for, for those kind of things. But also they're doing your inspections, which is, I would say, relatively pretty simple, right? Again, going back to, to provide a bit of a system and an expectation, how to take the pictures, for example. One thing you mentioned too, I want to go back on, and I think we can kind of wrap her up here, but you, I didn't even know this until this conversation. And we've talked actually a lot about this, um, Christine, but you mentioned you joined a local Facebook group and that's how you're able to find your contractor. That's actually pretty simple, but pretty brilliant at the same time. Well, there, there was a whole story behind that group. I broke my rules um, on one of my houses and somebody had given me a verbal referral, but I didn't go through and do all my due diligence and I rented the place out. And five days into the tenancy, I discovered they were dealing drugs. Uh-oh. Uh, the neighborhood has a group that is looking out. It's about a 10-block radius that are really looking after their group. And I had put it out there to a few of the people that I knew out there that I, well, they came to me and told me it, that they were, they were dealing drugs. So I said, okay, I'm calling the police, I'm calling child services, and I'm going proactive. And the group said, this is really interesting that we've got a landlord that's going proactive. So they joined me to their group because it's community watch group. And because of their assistance and me working together with them, we got those tenants out from the time they moved in and time they moved out. I had them in my house for three weeks. Yeah. And that's really super fast, which is cool. I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to have that kind of community support. And then I think you've built a lot of great trust because now they they see that what you're willing to do to to remedy the situation, which is pretty cool. And it was from that group because they're they're, they're really local. They do more than just look after the neighborhood. They're a really good little groups. So from there, I said, you know, who do you use for contractors for repairs, et cetera, et cetera. And this fellow's name came up several times. So I, I got him in on the job and I've been super happy with his work, his timing. He's always been very dependable. And another reason why I like to have my contractor come do my inspections is because he's done a lot of work in those houses. He's very familiar with them. So when he goes back to do the inspections, he knows what work has been done. He knows the condition it was in before. So he knows the new marks. He knows the new scrapes. He knows what the blinds were like. He is the most familiar with the the condition of that space. He's more, more familiar than I am. So he's the one I want to go back and look at that. That's a good point. So uh, you just got me thinking, if I was to hire someone new in the area, again, to say to do my inspections, you know, perhaps having a video call like what we're doing right now and show him, show him or her previous reports and say, here's what's been done before. You're arming them with that historical information to go in. Perhaps I'll help them uh, point out things that weren't there. Whereas if you just kind of brought someone in and said, hey, I want you to do inspection. Perhaps you talked about how to take pictures, but they go in they see damage that might they might assume is already there or they don't know. So they don't know to perhaps focus in on it. But that's kind of cool where you're ensuring that they've got the context of the history of how that property has been maintained. So, oh, these are great pro tips. I, I didn't even know about the Facebook group, but yeah, 
can provide them with the photographs too beforehand so that when you have someone go do the inspection, they have the photographs of each room ahead of time to what kind of condition it was in before. Now that we say that, that totally makes sense. But I don't know if I would have thought of that the first time if I brought someone in. And then that probably very much would have affected the quality. I wouldn't say the, the quality of the report. If they still talked about how to take the right pictures, the pictures would probably be fine. But they may have not picked up on possible new damage because they just didn't have the awareness of what that property uh, looked like beforehand. So awesome. I, I, you know what? Let's, let's wrap up on this note. I wanted to stay around this conversation of, of managing a property from afar. Uh, Christine, those are some super, super awesome tips. I love that you sourced a contractor that was community, well-known in the community. I mean, reputations, everything. So you found a way to connect with the right people to, to get that in. And you've not only leveraged that, but set probably expectations and good communications to how to do some of these really simple tasks, which they are, they are simple tasks, but you know, the devil's in the details. And if, if you nail that out or have that kind of really uh, communicated well, then you can get a good, a good product or result back. So simple things, but all these things combined to make and managing, managing properties from afar a lot easier, which I do view as a little bit of a higher risk. But when you have these systems, it does, it's one step at a time that simplify things. So um, I'm going to have you back on the show again. And, oh, and you want to wrap something up, tie something in here. Go ahead. Yeah, a couple of things. I do have rentals in BC as well, as, a, as in Lethbridge. And my team in Lethbridge is a much better team than what I've got in BC. And the two most important things in, in this business are relationship and photographs. Yeah, the, the documentation is everything and, and even more so, right? So that's that's perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Uh, I'm going to have you back in the show. We're going to talk something about uh, more into the trade side, too. We, we kind of dived into it a bit today, but you've just done some cool stuff. And um, Christine, I super very much appreciate you giving your time to be on the show today. These are all little nuances of that make the trade of being a rental homeowner or a landlord a little bit easier. So thank you so much for taking the time to share your information today. Thank you for having me. And I'm looking forward to coming back. Perfect. Awesome. All right, folks, we'll let you guys go. Enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in this episode of For Rent, conversations to better the rental industry. We'll hope to see you in the next one. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode. I really appreciate it. If you haven't already, please check out simplykey.com. They are the main sponsor of this podcast. And simply put, it wouldn't be possible without them. We want your feedback. So again, if you haven't done that, and you've probably already heard the plug, but send us an email at or rent at singlekey.com. We want it all. Comments, suggestions, lessons learned, anything that we can tie into this collective conversation with all these different perspectives to truly better the rental industry. We want it all. So let us know what you're thinking. We'll incorporate it into future shows. And if you haven't already and you want to, please subscribe to us and provide us a rating on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.